Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode. I sit down with Stephen Jones, a.k.a. Baby Bird. Uh, And you'll be uh, interested to know, we don't really talk about that song. There's so much more in Stephen's back catalogue, and we talk about not just his music and the reissue uh, of the record, Ugly Beautiful, um, which obviously features uh, Gorgeous, as well as the incredible Good Night, amongst so many others. Um, But I chose to to not really kind of go in on that track because I know that he's obviously been asked about that a lot and I'm very aware of the amount of music that, that Stephen's made over the years. So I thought there was way more to talk about. And there was, and it's all coming your way very soon. But before we get to that, um, a quick few thank yous. Um, big thanks to um, you lot for listening. Um, and supporting this podcast. We're well over 500 episodes now, and uh, and we ain't slowing down. Um, secondly, I'd like to thank the team at the Blue Murder Club podcast. It's a fantastic true crime podcast, uh, and the team over there produce these episodes. Um, and lastly, I'd like to thank uh, my, my, my homie, Mr. Scroobius Pip, uh, the, the, the guy that got me into podcasting, uh, and the guy that owns the Distraction Pieces Network, which this podcast is very proud to be part of. Um, I'm in good company over there. There's some fantastic pods over there um, that I wish I was as good as them at. And uh, so go check out Films to be Buried with Brett Goldstein. It's a wonderful podcast. And obviously, go and check out uh, Distraction Pieces uh, from the podfather himself, Mr. Scroobius Pip. As I mentioned, there's over 500 of these episodes, so if you've come here for the first time, you're very late to the party, but that's fine. It's a really welcoming place, and uh, and, and so what that does mean is you've missed stacks of episodes, but that's fine. You can go and listen to them all for free um, when you get to the end of today's episode with Stephen. Um, you can listen to my chats with the likes of Blur, Suede, Foo Fighters, um, who else? Let me think. Um, well, I've got a little list in front of me of, of names that I don't normally mention when I'm doing this bit. Um, Gary Kemp of uh, of Spandau Ballet, um, Dave Kenning of The Killers, um, Richie Ramone, Charlene Spateri. Um, who else have I got on this little list here? Oh, there's loads. I'd completely forgot I'd even interviewed. I've been doing this for so bloody long now. Um, Aloe Black, David Gray, um, gosh, Judas Priest, uh, UB40. I think we touched on UB40 on this uh, episode. Um, but like I say, there's 500 with all your favourite musicians, comedians, 
DJs, producers uh, and actors. Go get stuck in at the end of this episode. And why not subscribe while you're over there? Uh, and if you do the social media thing, then please give us a follow, um, a little like, a love, a share, a retweet, you know, wh- whatever it takes. Um, yeah, or just go old school, nudge your mate and tell him about this lispy guy from Essex that uh, talks to wonderful people about records. Um, and if you're feeling really, really generous and you can spare $1 a month, um, you can become a Patreon. Uh, and for that $1, um, you get access to hundreds of never-released episodes. Um, you get to attend a monthly live show uh, on Zoom where you get to to feature on an episode as well and, and hang out with lots of other people that love talking about records and, 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 and you know, the, the music that was important in your, your formative years and, and your first gigs and stuff like that. We change the topic each month and it's a lovely little hangout. It's not a, a sort of muso wanky thing. It's, it's just a really lovely bunch of people. So um, we'd love more of you to come along. Um, and you get, you get access to an archive of lots of radio shows I've done and mixtapes and all sorts of stuff. And you can get all of that for, I think it's about 70-odd P a month. So it's a dollar a month. Uh, and you can find that at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash off the beat and track. Other than that, you can find out about the archives of this podcast, um, merch and the Patreon and links to all sorts of stuff at your one-stop shop. And it's a simple one-page website. And uh, so go over there and have a little look. And that gives you links to anything you need to know about this pod. And that address is off the beat and it's B and not beaten off the beat and track podcast.com okay that's all that bit done now so we can get to the good stuff now please enjoy today's episode of off the beat and track podcast with baby bird <laughs> It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Stephen, how are you today? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, fitting well, I think. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I appreciate your time today, mate. Pleasure. Um, I'm going to get you to kick off uh, today's playlist, mate, with the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. Well, it's extremely difficult, but the, the one that came to mind, which is probably um, not expected, is um, Fight the Power, Public Enemy. I think the first time I heard that, and particularly in the Spike, uh, Spike Lee movie, I think it's just it's, it's one of those massively powerful things with him, when he's walking along with the, the um, boombox. And I think it's just, that's the one that I immediately went to, even though there's probably guitar riffs and blah, blah, blah. But it's just talking at the beginning, and it's uh, f- fantastic. Stephen, I can't thank you enough for picking this, mate. Oh, cool. <laughs> On episode 100 of this, I yeah. got my mate to interview me about what my picks would be. Yeah. And I chose Fight the Power. Brilliant. Um, but- purely because of Rosie Perez dancing at the beginning of uh, yeah, uh, of Do the Right Thing as well. And, and yeah. just... And no one ever leans on hip hop for this. Everybody goes for these huge kind of either like sort of long drawn out sort of Floyd type intros or some people yeah. just go Beatles help, you know, bang straight in. And it's like yeah. hip hop's inst- got so many instantly incredible intros that then breaks yeah. and beats. And obviously the, 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 the big speech at the beginning of Fight the Power before it drops. Oh, mate, I'm so glad you chose that because it, it yeah. like, you're the first person to choose hip hop. And there's over 500 of these now, mate. 
Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's really funny on another thing with, with like intros for stuff. I remember when I was first doing demos on cassettes and being told by people in the, the business and people that worked in the lead mill, actually, was my manager in Sheffield. Um, and he said they, the people just listen to music companies. They just listen to the first two seconds and that's it. It's in the bin. It's on the, you know, it won't get put on the slush pile or, what, you know, the pile that they would actually yeah. reconsider. So yeah, that's always in my head as well. But, I mean, you know, that does it in two two seconds as well. This song. It's, it's so know. weird what you just said there as well because I, I think, again, you know, when, when you were sending them demos, I was doing exactly the same and I had that kind of heads up as well and in the end i'll put this like little cassette in a fucking great big box and send it <laughs> yeah. anything to try and get to the top of this yeah, pile yeah. and yeah. uh yeah it's uh well look on on intros Stephen. when when you was first making music the way that people would generally listen to it would have been i, I guess you know the, the goal would have been to have got on radio and 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 to have you know to, to got out and release records and cds and and now it's it's so much different in the way that so mm. many people consume music via things like Spotify, where it's awash yeah. and flooded with yeah. so much music. And I'm watching the way that my children consume their music now, where they'll get music from things like TikTok and things like mm. that, where their thumbs are like so quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how much of like the sort of movements in music and and the fact that you know, I guess we've commercial pop records now it's becoming like this two minute science of like you know we've only got their attention for this and we need to get on this spotify place so it's got to be like start with the chorus and and all of these yeah. kind of cheats that isn't almost a you know a, a, a science to it and how many of these sort of changes and 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 you know and, and places where people consume the music how much of that filters mm. through into your creative process now if at all well i'm the same with my kids my kids are exactly the same so it's the the you know the, the thumbs that are whizzing down the, yeah. the glass it's like it's um no i just think it's weird that people don't pay for music so you know you have these youtube subscriptions and all these things but they just watch it and they, they don't pay for for anything and tiktok's a good example but tiktok is kind of like the 20 second clip isn't it mm. Which, you know, on top of some crap, basically. Yeah. Um, and and but I've heard a lot of things on TikTok. There's a lot of hip hoppy stuff on TikTok that's used now. Suddenly Shazam it, and then I'll be I'll be listening to that. So I, I yeah. do. There are there are good experiences on that. But I, I, I it's probably not answering your question. But I think I do the same thing. And I, I'm I'm of a certain age where I can't preach to you know how kids should listen to music. That's just the way it is. They don't yeah. buy music anymore. I think maybe indie kids might go into record stores and buy vinyl and stuff, yeah. but obviously that happens. But um, I, I always used to thumb through the enemy or sounds or Melody Maker, and I would look for a song that, or, or a band and read about them. I do the same thing on iTunes and, and probably even Amazon and different places. You know, I, I look, even though all the things on the front page have been put up by record companies, so they've been, you know, it's money, and they've been yeah. put on the front page. But I, I'll go a bit deeper than that. I'll look in alternative. I'll look in classic anything. I'll look, and, and, and that still hasn't changed. I'm just doing it on a screen. I'm not doing it in a newspaper, which is sad, but it's also kind of yeah. like a, the way I find music. And, and we're going to talk today also, there's a reissue um, of Ugly Beautiful coming soon. Yeah. Um. So when you was writing that, would the goal have been 
to get on pill to get on the evening session and, and to try and sort of get through that kind of thing and, and, and would that factor into how you'd I write? Think, I, think, I think at that point I started off by doing I did five lo-fi albums and we mm. released them in a year so they were all on cassettes um, and there were 400 originally and I took enough to put on five so we had two years of flogging that round record companies before we got any interest so I think suddenly when and that kind of formed a band and then we went on to do Ugly Beautiful but I think that's when it kicks in that you suddenly realize, well, other people, your record company, are, are gearing you towards, you know, doing sessions and stuff. And we yeah. did Mark Radcliffe and Lard and, and all these people and Mark Lamar even. So so that that's something that just becomes part of the machine. You do it. And then luckily we enjoyed all those. We, we, if that makes sense, we just yeah. we, we love doing those sessions, being in a room with with um, Mark and Lard and sort of with a drummer in the corner and just having a laugh it was fantastic so that that was a real pleasure but that that again is something that's organized for you but before i was doing albums which i did myself and, and led on to this i know if i'm right that it was originally recorded uh prior to to, to, to the, the the record but um am i right in saying because it was my introduction to you i've, I've dj'd in a, an alternative club for the last 30 years Stephen. And, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and the first the first uh seven i got yours was good night and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and was that the, the the lead single from the record? That was that was the one. I mean, I I, I just love that song. I it's an absolute God. gem of a pop record, mate. Yeah, I, I think just the the words in that, you know, the the, the, the it's fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very proud of that, and I'm I'm really glad that your gorgeous was not the first <laughs> single, because. Um, I mean, again, everything that went after that was, you know, you're trying to the record companies were trying to chase that. They wanted to repeat that. But but Goodnight was the Mark and Lard thing. That's where we'd be in the studio for the first time. And I'd never ex never experienced that in my life. So it was, it was that's the one I remember, that first one. Yeah. Was that chosen as a lead single because it's such a cracking little pop gem? I think, it, yeah. And it was also on those first five albums in a different form. Yeah. So I think, I think record company again you know it was a joint thing with the record company it was good we were never told what to do but it was it felt like it was a good leap from my my little lo-fi recordings into into good night and it it, yeah. it was it's great and it's, it's it's under three minutes i think well roughly yeah. around three minutes so it's a classic kind of pop pop song thing yeah. i'm gonna ask you for track two please to tell me the first song oh, you yeah. remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you please well, I mean, there's obviously there's going to be thousands, but it's just immediately what came to me um, directly was uh, Ghost Town by the Specials. Yeah. I think. And I think um, I actually knew Terry Hall a bit. I've met him in various places in Manchester. And we always planned that we would do something at some point because he has a connection with uh, Ian Brody as well, mm. who I think they've written together. And uh, I've, I've written a few songs with Ian. So. Uh, and just obviously what's happened, you know, is, is, is terrible. He popped up on my Facebook the other day and just with my dad, who's died recently. And it's all these these people have come up and it's um, that, that's kind of made me what, what the thing about Ghost Town. And Ghost Town, again, the video and, and everything that the, the, the kind of um, bleakness and, and mm. to have songs like that in the charts is, is, is what's needed. Give a balance. And, and uh, you know, I imagine... At uh, quite a young age, you would have been when Ghost Town come out. Yeah. Like, was you aware, you know, we, we look back now on documentaries around, you know, the, the, the late 70s and early 80s, and it's so apparent how fucking bleak everything was. Yeah. Um, was you aware of that at that time? Did that music soundtrack what you could see? 
Well, I've been, I hadn't been to Coventry at that point, but mm. I did go to Coventry once, and it's bleak. I'm going tomorrow, <laughs> bizarrely. Are you going? <laughs> yeah, we had, we had a really bizarre meeting because we got signed by Atlantic in America, and they they decided they wanted to come and see us in Coventry. So it's quite nice for all these wanky Americans. But, yeah, no, I, I lived, you know, I, I, I kind of, lived near Derby so I used to go in on my with my friend Ralph we used to cycle in and go to see the UK subs and um Auntie Pasty was the local Derby and Joy Division of course so yeah. so I knew what it was like Derby's was bleak I don't know yeah. what it's like now but I, I certainly was fully aware of and then the, the bleak vision of Joy Division which is which is my main into music yeah so it, it's all there and, and it's kind of like but the specials were such a happy band and it was multicultural and the, the whole thing was quite, was brilliant. And I, I took my sister when she was 15 or something. I took her to see when the special selector and uh, Madness were on. What, and the two-tone tour? It was brilliant. So touring yeah. bleakness, it was very kind of sort of on the verge of violence. Yeah. There, my sister reminded me that I buggered off with my friend and left her there so that she for, for periods of time. So I, I feel bad about that. But yeah, it was quite scary. I think that was before yeah. you know they they started having hits. But it, you can see where it was all coming from. And it was such a statement as well. It was it was I was I was a little while ago. I got to interview um, Robin from UB40, and I was looking mm. at you know you look at that point of the early, like late 70s early 80s and 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 you be 40 them records at that point uh and uh, and uh, and the specials like that was probably the first time i'd ever seen multi-cultured bands on uh, you yeah. know on top of the pops and things like yeah. that. It, was, it was it was quite a, a statement wasn't it yeah oh absolutely ub40 is a good example of mm. i don't think if you know the whole history of ub40 i think a lot of people sell red red wine and it's very popular but it wasn't they they was kind of same kind of background as you know all the the, the specials and all the scar yeah. stuff so yeah no totally agree and he he said that as well he said that um jerry dammers offered him a deal and uh, oh, right, okay. and yeah, yeah. and he and, and he, he he said look as much as we love that label mm. it we wanted to be a reggae band we didn't want to be a scar yeah. band and so yeah, we, yeah. we you know we politely sort of turned that down but yeah. uh but yeah <laughs> i mean Going back to Ghost Town uh, and 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 the, the the question around it, if you had to sort of pinpoint the emotion, what would it have been? The, the emotion I had, yeah. Or, um, I think it's music that I would never dare to make because, you know, in normal English, I don't know. It's just something that I could never do, and it's a bit like hip hop. I could never do hip hop, but it's that. That's I, I, I like that. That's why I like that kind of music. I don't, I don't really like music that sounds like Baby Bears. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I, I wouldn't listen to similar stuff that, that we that we make, even though it's, it's a big range of styles now with, with what I do. But um, I, I just think Terry Terry Hall was a beautiful man, and I think um, is it Neville and, and the, the other the other guy? It was it was just there was just something infectious yeah. and very very innocent, and I think Terry Hall was like a little boy, but like a baby almost, yeah. and singing these songs. And I think that was that was my feeling. I just remember the tunnel. I'm sure there was a tunnel in the video. It is, yeah. And I, I think that's that kind of really... I've been in a lot of tunnels like that in Derby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I brought it back. <laughs> I, I think the, the joy in that record as well is, I mean, sonically, if that's, a, you know, for a bit of a wanky description of it, 
it's otherworldly that record, isn't it? It don't yeah. sound like any other special song either. It, it's yeah. it's just out there on its own, and and it's so sombre. And then you're just waiting for that moment where it mm. just rockets, doesn't it? And it's yeah. a pure joy when it goes as well. Okay. And the fact Terry yeah. nearly cracks a smile in that video as well. It's like yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I think it's the movement, and when they do mm. it live, just the, the the back and forward. I don't know. There's just it's just like an engine, and I, I yeah. think that's what was so brilliant about seeing them as well, doing everything else. And yeah. it was, you know, Madness had their thing, which yeah. and, and Selector, and then it was very, very particular, really and, good. And I think one of the things that that jumped at me as as a young lad as well, watching the likes of um, Specials, Madness, UB40 at that point, them three bands, they looked like a fucking gang. They all look like they were oh, a yeah, gang, yeah, and, I, yeah. and I love that in bands when you see them and you yeah. just think, yeah, they all look like. Yeah, you that's the whole like... point, isn't it? That's yeah. why you want to be in bands. It's a yeah. gang. Yeah, it's like football. It's, it's yeah. a gang. It should be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask you for track three, please, uh, Stephen. Tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school. Yeah, well, it's probably showing my age now, but definitely Joy Division. Touched on it before, but Joy Division were my. I, I was. Um, I'm old, but I was. I was too young to kind of hit punk. So yeah. at a certain point, which is a real pity, you know, the Clash and the Pistols and all that. I kind of missed that. But I was more sort of seventy nine, eighty, and it was sort of Stranglers' first album when the Stranglers were amazing. Um, and and then you, yeah, Joy Division. Just the, the I played a lot of bass. I mean, I played guitar as well, but because of Peter Hook, made the bass melodic. Yeah, that was. I suddenly thought, all oh, right, I can actually make some songs with a bass. Yeah. Um, and I did, <laughs> and and did with shitty bands, you know. And, yeah. and But but just again, that was. Um, so, uh, which is the one? Isolation's the one mm. that that might not have been. That was later, I know. But Isolation's the song that I. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions for memorial day get 15 percent off your burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25 percent off outdoor that's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Always go to with Joy Division. 
It's it's weird because you listen back to Joy Division now, and and some of it is very hard to listen to. It was yeah. very much of the time. It's very a lot of it's quite mechanical as well, which mm. you don't remember. Sort of the way the drums. Maybe that's on the second album, but yeah, that that's my my that was the, the thing I remember just kind of school time. Yeah. And you, you said was it Derby that you grew up in? Yeah, well, I saw the last gig, Ian Curtis's last gig, I think was in Derby, and I managed to find a recording of it, sort of a bootleg recording of it. It's brilliant, so that you can hear the clapping. I just wonder, is is one of those people clapping me, you know? Oh, you was but at again, the show as well? Yeah, 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 oh, I was fantastic. at the show. And again, petrifying. It was a bit like the, you know, before the scar thing got rid of the the, the skinhead element, which started. Mm. The Joy, Joy Division was the same in Derby. There were the... Spondon, which is near Derby, they'd be up in. It was an old, uh, um, old uh, Indian cinema, and so it was like on the top there were skinheads from one part of Derby and another down there. So they were pulling up chairs, and me and my friend Ralph were, were hiding in the corner trying to watch Ian Curtis do his <laughs> thing. But I, I think that was the last gig or the one before the last one that oh, they ever wow. did. So yeah, quite quite a big event in my life. Yeah, absolutely. And home in Derby in those early years was was it musical? Was there records on at home? What do you mean? What was I listening to? No, no, no. Like, like growing um, up was like you know, was your parents into music? Was it was it a musical place to grow um, up? No, not really. I I lived no. I I lived in my earliest memories. I lived in New Zealand. I went to. I was taken to New Zealand when I was four, and my my sister was only eighteen months. But we went on a boat, which you could do back then. So to New Zealand. Just, Went to New Zealand, so we, we because for fifty quid, if you were a teacher and you had a job in New Zealand, you could take your family over there. Um, so we were on a boat for a month. We travelled one way through the Suez Canal and, and Tahiti and Sri Lanka. I can't remember because I was so young. And then four years later, we came back the other way through the Panama Canal. So I've circumferenced the world, but I don't remember it. It's another. Not it's not me really. It's, yeah. it's it's something I don't remember. But my my mum and dad just used to listen to Rolf Harris <laughs> before <laughs> Rolf became you know such a or whatever. But it, like timey kangaroo down, we had an old reel to reel, and they used to yeah. play stuff like that. And then we would listen to Maori folk songs and stuff. But that that's my real memory and then getting a bit older i would probably base city rollers which again is another dodgy yeah <laughs> so you know that that that's weird but yeah it's weird you watch, i don't know if you're watching the steve coogan thing yes yeah the, the jimmy savile yeah I i'm, I'm trying to make night. a link there but it seems like rolf harris um the bay city rollers uh, we did top of the pops once and i always wonder if i was in a a dressing room that Jimmy Savile had been in. So that's the, yeah, that's I've never thought of it like that. It's three very very dodgy um, well, touch points there. You just <laughs> mentioned uh, the, the the pops there, and uh, and I'm always fascinated to to ask guests about their experience at the top of the pops because it you know as, as as I'm sure it was the case for you you know we'd grow up and you know every Thursday you'd you'd watch the yeah. pops and it was yeah. you know it was the only place you could see your pop stars and it was so exciting and 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 you know in my mind like you know I, I thought if they're on top of the pops they're all mm. rich beyond their wildest dreams going back yeah, to yeah. their you know their mansions afterwards like can you remember hearing you was going to you know you you got the green light to go on top of the pops and like and and then when you done it was it what you imagined? Did it deliver? No, <laughs> not not really. 
No, I remember they had a good they they had a good load of pool tables backstage. That's where we had most of our fun. But yeah, um, no, it's weird because it's three. It's that's why I was talking about the the Steve Coogan Jimmy Savile thing because I think you can see there it's three stages and a group of of hardly any people, but it was made filmed so it looked like a load of people, yeah. and they were shifted around each stage. So, but you're, you're stood there. I think we we did it three times. So I, I did. I mimed on most of them, but I did actually sing live. Um, so the miming business is just bizarre. Mm. It's just a, a weird thing. Sing live is so much easier. Yeah. But to have to mime, I, I just... <laughs> I, you know, like when your voice is out, when your mouth is out of... I yeah. just can't mime. It's one of, one of those things I can't do. So I'll be... When there's a silence, I'll still be moving my mouth because <laughs> I'm so confused. It must be some mental condition I have. But, yeah, so so weird. It's weird. I think all these things are always built up. You know, um, and I think Top of the Pops obviously has got such a big history. I think when you go on, you think, oh, it's not quite like it was on the TV. But yeah. Can you remember who it, I who wouldn't you... swap it for anything, you know. Yeah. Can you remember who you was on with? Can you remember who else, like, you know, was that like uh, one of the sort of first times you're sort of wandering around in in, in those circles and going, oh, yeah. blimey, that's him over there or that's her over there? Like, can you remember any of those moments? Well, we, we had, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm name dropping, but we were in, when we were in our dressing room, we, we had an attack from all five Spice Girls. They came in <laughs> and just dancing, full of life, amazing, really. I always remember it. Yeah. And my girlfriend, now wife, was there, so she got to experience it as well. And Mel B was very chatty and she would, she would talk straight to you. And it's like they came in like a whirlwind and then they were off. Yeah. So I think that that's probably the most famous. I, I don't remember anyone else that was on yeah. it, to be honest. Gina G or someone like that. But <laughs> I, 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 you'll always remember the Spice Girls. Whatever you think of their music, they, they, they were a phenomenon for that period. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just moving back to school, um, was that an experience you enjoyed? No, I was kind of bullied at school. I, I was kind of like, um, I, I went to a school where my dad was a teacher and I was, I got the nickname of Dingo because I'd been to New Zealand. They, I, I get called Dingo and there are no Dingoes in New Zealand. That's the irony. They're in <laughs> Australia. So, but I couldn't really say that to the, to the bully particularly. Yeah. I think it's General Haig. You remember General Haig? General Haig was in the, in the, it was, it was his grandson. Yeah. He was in World War Two, I think, but his grandson was like a, a, a nasty, nasty bully. Um, so I, it was when I got into the sixth form, I, I kind of like exploded. With my, like I was saying, my friend Ralph, we, we went off to this cinema in Derby and we went to see all the punk, the, the post-punk bands, Cockney Rejects, UK Subs, all, all these people. Um, and it was Throbbing Gristle was another one. It's oh, like amazing. all these out, out, mad bands. So I think it was it was great that I'd been through that kind of. I'm not damaged by bullying. I mean, it was just a horrible period, and I don't remember yeah. it that much. But I just remember the sixth form being an explosion of excitement, and uh, but not because of school, but because yeah. of punk. <laughs> I think sixth forms where you kind of because you don't have to go there. That's yeah. generally where you sort of find your tribe, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. Every everything about it was 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 a joy. Yeah. Did you know what you wanted to do at that point? Um, just for Joy Division, probably music. But again, I was playing the bass really badly, so it wasn't. And we would go and play with my my friends. But I, it it was kind of when I left school that yeah. I suddenly I've ne I've never I started doing music with with Ugly Beautiful and and all the the stuff that I've done very very late in my late twenties. Yeah. 
So it was never something I thought I could do until people... I'm the kind of person that needs to be told, you know, oh, this song's all right, you could go and do something with that. I need to kick up the arse. So that's, that's always been the way. So I don't think when I came out of school I had any idea what I would do. Yeah. At all. Yeah. yeah. I was on the dole for a long time. I was on the dole for like five, five six years. So, you know, living on, on whatever that was and stealing 50p's out of the gas meter and putting yeah. them back in again. And No, so I've been through all that. So I think that was that pushes you to do stuff. And I, I, that, that made me buy it, try and, you know, buy a little cassette recorder and, and start doing music. So I think from adversity, you, you, you get a kick up the backside, which is good. Once you started kind of getting people sort of, you know, leaning over your shoulder and saying that tune's really good, and mm. and you know from from what I know about you, you're pretty prolific with your output. Um, yeah. Like, did that create drive? Like, I, I wonder because you know we're yeah, sitting so. here, however many years later, talking about you know the reissue and and you've released so much music, you know, over the years. Like, are you pretty driven? No, people would say I was lazy, but I, I think it's not something I think about. I think there's a lot of things I hate doing, you know. I don't, don't, don't like mowing the lawn. Um, stuff that I just, everyday stuff I don't like. But when it comes to music, my dad always had a piano in the in the front room and he never pushed us towards it, but we would go, we would. I gravitated towards it. So it's never, I've never been pushed in that way but it, it's just if it's there then I then I do it but I don't think I'm driven I just love doing it it's a hobby yeah. you know it's not it's not work so that, that does that make any sense that yeah make, no, absolutely make, absolutely yeah I, I think no, no I'm not driven I think you see so many people who are driven and it's like I don't know it could be could be anyone who seem to be doing stuff all the time like Michael Palin seems to be is, or Michael Palin or Stephen Fry, I don't know any of these people, or, or people that tour, you two, anyone, you know, they, they, they're away for months and months. I've never done that. So mm. they seem to want to fill every little space with doing stuff. Yeah. But now I'm kind of a bit older, long in the tooth. I, I kind of just like to sit there and do nothing, and then I'll have bursts of making music. Yeah. But again, that's not, I'm not being driven, I don't think. I think yeah. I'm just like, I love doing it. Yeah. Tell me about the first record you remember buying from a record shop, please. Oh, yes. Let me just... Um... Oh, God, yeah, that was well, the f one of the first was uh, was um, Nevermind the Bollocks. So I think that was I, just probably because I just missed out on when, you know, 76 and 77. And obviously with The Clash's first record, that was a big one as well. But my sister had that, oddly, and she was, like, much younger than me. Um yeah, no, just I, I just I, I keep listening. It's one of those things that I do keep listening to now because the production on it, without being boring and musical, is is like incredible. It's just it stands up to now. Just the sound of the guitars, everything is just stunning. And I always say when we're when we're rehearsing to go on tour, let's try and make every song sound as crisp as this and powerful. Yeah. So I, I think that was the first record. Um, I, don't, I can't really remember any singles. I, I used to buy singles, but it was normally LPs I'd buy. So, I mean, God Save the Queen, if you were to pick a track, would be the one yeah. that I would, I would, you know, I, I would put on. And, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so weird, isn't it? When you look back at, like, you mentioned some of the sort of, uh, you mentioned, like, Cockney Rejects and, and, and you know, the UK Subs and, and the yeah. bands from back then. And, you know, and, and so many bands that come out of, 
punk and was, you know, come out around the time of the Pistols, you know, and I don't include the Clash in this, but none of them records or the production around them records still smacks you around the chops like mm. never mind the bollocks it's so huge and it's so good that production isn't it and i know it's yeah. you know we're, we're, we're being a bit muso wanker here but it is just fucking mm. huge isn't it yeah yeah it's astonishing yeah i just I do, we, we do it's probably one of the only bands we actually listen to or i listen to to copy yeah. that production that, yeah. obviously not the style of songs but yeah, yeah that production yeah okay so did a rec- you know, but were record shops, you know, in them sort of formative years that you know mm. we're talking about there, were they an important place for you? Oh, totally, yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of, I, I mean, I'm still going to them now. It's, it's like Berry's. I'm in near Manchester, so we go to Berry, and they've still got an H and V, and you kind of your eyes widen when it's oh my god, it's still open, yeah. and you're genuinely excited to go in. Things have changed now. There seem to be cops, don't there, and. But um, there's lots of records everything again, Everything that's though. not a record. Pardon? There's lots of vinyl again, though. That's brilliant. Yeah, but when you yeah. go in, you're, you're even like these boat drinks and stuff. in the, yeah. in the Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's really weird. It's like you have to go beyond that to get... But yeah, vinyl, yeah. Vinyl's something I... It's funny, Ugly Beautiful's... It's quite a heavy vinyl, so I've got like my record players are always like dance sets, you know, like oh, yeah. I like old record players. I actually put it on to listen to it, and, and it broke it, so it kind of like the th- the the thing, the turntable bit sank down. So I don't actually have a vinyl player at the moment. Don't have a record player. Wow, but so... that's quite ironic, isn't it? That this reissue break. <laughs> but yeah, I, is, I need a record player. I love them. Is the reissue going to come out on vinyl? It's on vinyl, yeah. It's a double. Oh, fantastic! So, so yeah, so it's it's a double, but um, yeah, I, I just I just vinyl for the last ten years. I, I think I've stopped and sold a lot of my records, but just that twenty minutes you get to sit down and do nothing it can be yeah. meditation, whatever. You just sit there and you're not actually getting up to switch stuff on your phone or yeah. 
or Google stuff or look at look at all. You know, Shazam is a is a. I don't really use Shazam because it's yeah. insane, but um, it makes things too easy. But yeah. I'd rather put a record on and give myself twenty minutes. And um, the one thing, and I'm always sort of mindful of not sounding like a you know a, a grumpy old man that it was better in my day. But the yeah. the one thing <laughs> that I do think is lost in 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 you know. The, vinyl sort of disappearing and becoming more of a sort of novelty collector's thing now. Yeah. Um is is that album artwork and we talk about the pistols there and mm. you know that is not gonna really do a lot on that little square on your Spotify thing on your phone, is it? But you look at that yeah. album on vinyl and that cover, it still knocks your socks off. And I think that's something that I feel is a little bit lost now is is the album artwork. Yeah, you know, absolutely. whenever you watch these shows or see magazines about the greatest hundred album covers of when nothing's from the last 15 years yeah no I, I want that desperately and i don't know how you do it what's the equivalent now if you if you want that artwork do you put it on a screensaver on your phone i don't know do buy a t-shirt <laughs> i don't know it's it's i totally agree with that yeah. I, i've never really engaged that much with cds i mean I, unless it's a, a a cardboard thing and there's a booklet in there and there's yeah. there's something to read but i think a lot of bands were responsible for using record company um designers in a in a bland way and that they were i think that it was too vague i think you need some substance and those are the those are the cds that i prefer and albums i prefer with something to actually read on it not yeah. just name checking people absolutely i'm going to move forward now to yeah. uh to your clubbing days Stephen. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I did have some of those, actually. Yeah. Fantastic. Let's talk about them. But I want to know what song uh, soundtracked it. Yeah, well, I grew I, I was, um, after I left college, I was in Nottingham. So I was saying I was un, unemployed for like five or six years. So it was kind of um, a guy called Gerald and Voodoo Ray was the, the one, really, I think, that stuck out. There was a lot of the kind of um, acid stuff. What was the first acid song? Not Adamski. I can't remember what it was called. It was like the first time you heard that sound, and it's just kind of predated the 80s a bit. I don't know what it was called. What was it, like Joey Beltram or something like that? I can't remember the name of it. No. I said, I need to hunt that out. I've been looking for that song, yeah. but I can't remember what it is. But I think Voodoo Ray, Voodoo Ray still sticks up, sticks out oh, now because of the sounds incredible. on it. And um, I, that that's kind of has a little influence. I, I, I like using loops and and sounds and, and odd, strange things. So that that just did everything. And it was it was you could dance to it as well. Yeah. You know, even though it was a bizarre, bizarre, a different song from anything else yeah. you'd heard. I mean, yeah. it was a lot of early Talking Heads and Chic and and Chaka Khan was sort of around that time. And then yeah. to hear that. Was was fantastic. And where would you go clubbing in in Nottingham? We yeah in Nottingham, and we went to um, again. I can't remember where the bloody hell it was. There's something Cool Cat, right. Cool Cat in Nottingham. Oh, it was amazing, amazing place. Um, but they had a hip hop room. I went went back there a few years, and they had a hip hop room. And I was dancing, and this guy took offence. I found out he was a boxer, but he punched me. So I I, I went to. I've still got the scar on this side here. On the, on the right hand side, because he thought I was taking the piss, and I wasn't. I was just trying to dance as well as I could. <laughs> but it, but it was mostly black kids in there, so I, yeah. I think maybe you know you could be easily seen as taking the piss, and I really, really wasn't because I love hip hop. So, yeah. but yeah, I ended up in hospital, so that's my memory. Apart from that song we just, apart from Jeez. I called Gerald, yeah. <laughs> 
Did you, I mean, was you lucky enough, you know, being up that way to sort of, uh, you know, you, you, you mentioned Manchester a few times and obviously Joy Division. Did you, did you get to the Hacienda at all? I never got to the Hacienda, no. We were, we were, we were going to do um, a gig there, really weirdly. So I got to see the Hacienda when it was empty. Oh, really? Really, really bizarre. So we actually went and got a tour in the, in, of the Hacienda. Um but yeah, no, that was that was for, that was part of a theatre. I was in a theatre company, so we were going to do a show there and a music a music show. That is not worth going into. But it was yeah, it was it was really weird because I'd never been to the Hacienda, never been there as a club night. So I think I was in Nottingham at that point, and obviously the Hacienda's gone now; it's flat. Yeah. So, but my friend Jason used to go there all the time, so I get all the stories of the yeah. drugs on the door. There was a lot of security problems and guns yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's the, the the way it went. Um, I asked you about drive earlier, Stephen, and mm. uh, and you know you said that you know you you, you went on top of the pops three times, and and then obviously you know you, around that point you you know you was on every TV show, you was everywhere, all mm. over the music press. Um, would you say you was a confident young man <laughs> at that point? No, not at all. I think it makes you seem arrogant, but I'm I'm really shy. Um, but but on stage, I'm a bit of a lunatic, really, and, and a lot of talking to the audience, and and it's a kind of gregarious big thing. But I think that's a cover for shyness. So I'm definitely not. I know that my stuff's good. It will can be good. I, I would never say. It. My my dad was always apologetic. He used to do paintings, and he was very apologetic. So I learned not to be apologetic for what I do. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. You know that's yeah. that's life, isn't it? But no, so yeah, if that answers that. Well, what about like you know seeing like you know? I imagine you grew up reading the likes of the Enemy and the Maker and things like that, and mm. then all of a sudden these people are probing you for answers and and things like that. Like and and having chart success and and being on the TV like that. How did you find that? Uh, just weird. Like I said, I was shy, but it's um, it's a simple rule with me. If I've, if I've got a microphone, I've got lights in my face, and I can't see what's going on, then I'm fine. I've, I've, I've written a few books, so I, I've kind of done stuff in... in um, is it Borders? And it's gone now. Mm. But I did some book readings, and there's no lights, so I was just bright red and, and embarrassed at hell, and I was trying to read my read my novel and I was reading the wrong words and my eyes were like, I went purple. <laughs> so, but if you put lights in front of you, whether it's a TV show and you, you, you it kind of, it's, it's great. It's like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it blocks out everything and you concentrate on what you're doing. So it's a simple thing for me, really put some lights on me and don't show me the mechanics of what's going on beyond the camera, you know? Yeah. I'm going to, um, take you home for this track and ask you to tell me a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Oh, my home county. Well, I've, I've kind of, I couldn't find anything from, from Shropshire. <laughs> so I've lived in Manchester like I do now for, for 10 years. And then I lived in Manchester for a long period before I lived in London as well. So if I, if I can be, if I can stretch it to Manchester, I think container drivers by the fall is mm. uh, just, epic i think it's yeah. just it's it's kind of so kind of small and and but huge and i uh, marky smith is is fabulous now I've, I've been to see in manchester he's got a huge mural on the side of a fish and chip shop so it's um yeah and i saw them seven times 
And I've seen gigs that where he would slowly take away, if he was pissed off with the drummer, he would slowly take a cymbal away, carry on with the song, then he would take another part of the drum away. <laughs> and so, so just, just, just marvelous, and uh, uh, you know what a, what a great man. And I was there at the beginning with Totally Wired and all yeah. that early stuff and Elastic and Elastic Man was it? Yeah. And so, so I, I kind of yeah, they, they were a massive part. He's uh, he's everything you want from a pop star, isn't he? It's, yeah. Uh, it's it's fantastic. I mean, I've heard some. I, I think it might have been. Was it Mark Riley? Who was in the fall? Was it Mark Riley? Mark Riley. Yeah. It Mark was. Riley yeah. Was guitar guitar in the fall for a while. Yeah. And I remember he, uh, he he said a story once about they were they were touring in Australia, and uh, and they were in a nightclub and what him and someone from the band uh, went to this nightclub and I, I I don't think Mark wanted to be there. Um, but I don't think he wanted them to go and have fun without him. Right, and then yeah. they were dancing to ABBA, uh, and he just walked, oh he just walked on uh, onto the dance floor. It wasn't Riley he punched, but he punched the other guy for for dancing to ABBA. Uh, in, <laughs> and uh, the, the, the guy flew home the next day and, and left the band. But I think that was a constant, never-ending rotation. A general rule for anyone with, concerning ABBA. Surely, <laughs> hell. I cannot believe that. Is it the hologram show they're doing? It's just unbelievable, but it's so popular. <laughs> Absolutely. They are, along with Queen, ABBA are the antichrist of music. Do you know what? Right, I, I, I'm not going with the ABBA thing. I, I do quite. I do think they've got some great pop songs, but Queen, I'm with you. I don't yeah. get it. Oh no, no, no! I, I rephrase that. I think the songs are. I think it's the love for. Right. With with Mamma Mia and the films, yeah. it's the it just seems like the lowest common denominator to me. Yeah. Really I'm being really patronizing, but I just I just yeah. Yeah, of course they've got great songs, you know, mm. Fernando Waterloo. I mean you know, they they're they're good, but it's the, the idea of it and I think the people that flock to it. Yeah. Listen to them at home, you know, on on your own, but don't put it on the TV, please. It's <laughs> <laughs> Mark E. Smith when you need him. Um <laughs> Okay, well, this is your last track, uh, Stephen, and uh, and this is the opportunity where I ask you to tell our listeners about a song that you think they may not know that you would like them to hear, please. Well, this is something I probably listen to like every other day. It's um, Lamplighter and uh, Ed Scissor, and it's The Prospector, and it's I c I don't I don't know if you'll be able to find it actually. <laughs> I think it's it's on YouTube, but it's it's very very hard to find. I found I found it through Bandcamp. But it's uh, it's he, he kind of talk raps through it. Is it like Scrooby? I can never pronounce Scrooby's Pit. It's it's kind of a bit similar to that. It's That's quite of, weird. Um, he that he's my best friend. <laughs> is he your best friend? I, <laughs> yeah. I, I I I think I might have spoken to him once. I think I wrote to him once. I don't know through through social media probably. But yeah, no, I I love I love his stuff, and this is very very similar. But right. obviously know about him but they don't know about ed scissor i think it's ed scissor tongue as well but it, he's got he seems to have a very small following but it's it's the perspective if people can find it, it's got a really lovely piano loop on it yeah and words are just like oh it makes me shiver now just talking about them i think it's beautiful and his voice his tone of his voice like i always liked um guru of um gangstar because he mm. had he's got one of those it's like an almost creamy voice yeah. it's something that, that's in your head um, and, and this guy, this Ed Scissors, like that as well. Lamplighter does a lot of, um, I think, more sound, more kind of not with vocals on. But yeah, yeah, it's one of those bands I'd love to know more. But I don't think anyone will have heard them, and I think it's, it should hunt it out. I it's found, 
I found uh, a track by Ed Caesar, um, but it was um, what's what's the track called again? Sorry, the Prospector. It is the Prospector Three. Oh, it's not that one. It's See, not I'm, that I'm, one. I'm beginning to think that it was a sample because I've tried to look for it on the and, and on the album. I remember it being on, and it's it's gone. So I just yeah. wonder if they got into trouble with ah, sampling. right. But I've got it. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll. Uh, well, apart from that, I'll put that version on. Um, but we put together a little Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast cool. with all okay. of the tracks that we we've yeah. spoken about today, uh, Stephen. And so l- let's get back to your music and uh, and the reissue. And what can you what can people expect from that? And when's it happening? And what else is going to be happening around that? Well, I've I've been did yes. I've been, I haven't done interviews for a long long time because we haven't toured for a while. So it's it's been nice. There's been a lot of interest. I think. And because it's out, it's album day tomorrow. Is it today it's or today? Is it 14th, today? I believe. 14th, right, yeah. So it, it's all, all converging on that. But, um, yeah, there's extra tracks on there as well, and tracks that I knew about and tracks I'd forgotten about. So that's been the biggest pleasure, There's uh, getting all the tapes from the studio recordings. Um, yeah, and it's um, it's weird. There's the people, you know, people are always going to gravitate towards you're gorgeous. But there's songs on there like "Jesus Is My Girlfriend," so mm. which caused quite a lot of trouble in yeah. in the past. Uh, "Too Handsome to Be Homeless" is another one. So there's a lot of gritty stuff on there, which yeah. I'm probably lyrically prouder of. And you know, you've been fantastic. Not to mention you're gorgeous. I've brought it up, which is the first. But you listen to the the. the the verses on that yeah. and it's it's completely dark and, and yeah. you know cuts you to the core i hope and if if anyone points to you and at a wedding and to you're gorgeous and lots of people play at their wedding it's an insult yeah. you know if i point at you and go you're gorgeous it's a barb but yeah. people shouldn't be told how to interpret songs you know it's yeah. if they love it and it's got that ridiculously catchy tune yeah the mar the, on the marmite song you know it's it's what can I say? It's they, they they should interpret it the way they want. I mean, it, it's a fantastic record. I prefer the other version on the flip side, the more synthy one. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a few versions. Yeah, yeah. I prefer all those. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a country and western acoustic. One, oh right, I've not heard that. Makes it more makes it really mournful. Yeah. So, but I know the one you're talking about. I like that one as well. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's it's it's. It's, there's an epic one as well, but there's quite a few versions. And, yeah. and the one, when I, re, when I put out these first lo-fi albums before Ugly Beautiful, so before anyone knew who, who Baby Bird was, yeah. it was from 400 demos, those albums, and Your Gorgeous was one of those demos, and it never made it onto those. So it was never yeah. a choice of mine. It was chosen because of its chorus, I think, and you know, it, it did what it was supposed to do for the record company. Fantastic. And new music coming soon? gigs What's yeah I'm, I'm on i'm on Bandcamp all the time so you say prolific there's if people want um to listen to ten thousand songs that's on that's on my Bandcamp. there's shit loads of stuff i can on. tell you who does he's and he's dom jolly because he come on this podcast oh yeah and yeah. he loves you mate he yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. loves you he you was know. uh he could not sing your praises and uh yeah he's a very very big fan i presume you you know that anyway but uh yeah he's he's we've collaborated on stuff and i yeah. think um, trigger happy of course on there so no dom's fantastic we, we were supposed to play his 50th birthday yeah. thing but I, I had a problem well, i had a problem with my heart actually so i, I couldn't mm. do it which is a real pity but i think there's possibilities of 
of of stuff coming up. Yeah. But he's, he's he's great. Trigger Happy was wonderful. The big phone in the cinema. I mean, incredible, you know, legendary incredible. bit. Um, and Stephen, if people want to keep up to speed with all things uh, creative uh, via you, where's the best place to do that? Well, Bandcamp. So it's um, the stephenjones.bandcamp.com. But if you put Stephen Jones or Baby Bird or whatever, you'll you'll find it on there. And um, good luck getting through this. There's a hell of a lot of stuff on there. I, I use a lot of AKAs, so you know uh, it's for different types of music. I do, yeah. you know, with vocals, non-vocals. So yeah, but it's um, yeah, just just stick a pin in the donkey and see what you come out with. Fantastic, <laughs> Stephen. Honestly, thanks so much for your time today. It's been yeah, a, a, a real joy talking records with you, mate. Thank you. I'm going to press stop, but don't go anywhere. Okay. There you go. Oh, what a delightful chat. And uh, yeah, what an absolutely lovely man. And uh, go get that reissue now. Um, it's out now. Um, as he said, double album, um, ugly, beautiful reissue with loads of extra material on it. Go check it out. Remind yourself if you've not listened to that album uh, since back in the day, go go back to it because I had a big old listen today and it's sounding fucking ace. Um, and if you've never heard that record, go do it. It's wonderful. And then why not head over to Bandcamp and check out all of the work that uh, that Stephen's been done. Set yourself aside six years and uh, and go and listen to everything he's done because there's loads and it's all ace. Um, I'm back next time. Um, in the meantime, be nice to each other. Thanks ever so much for listening and supporting this podcast. Um, I love doing this. You know, I'm 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 getting to to meet all the people that you know have shaped my. Uh, my musical tastes over the year, uh, over the years, and uh, and this was very much one of those interviews. Um, so thanks again to Stephen. Uh, thanks again to you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>